Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Veterans. Written by Zephyrodantis. What's up with him? Jiro asked as his squaddies sat there around the campfire as he gestured to the newest reinforcement, who was seated in the shadows just outside reach of the light and warmth of the flaming wood. I don't know, Aisha muttered, focusing on the heating his food and ration pack on the heated stones around the room of the fire. Maybe he just isn't in the mood for this kind of job. He shrugged and stuck claw into a foil bag and tested the temperature by licking the contents of a claw. He literally landed ten hours ago. What could possibly have spooked him this early? Jiro kept his voice down to avoid the newbie hearing him. All we've done is head twenty clicks out of base in the straight line, mind you, and set up camp. Based on his reactions, we should have been at a direct fire exchange for half a day. Jiro leaned back on his log and whispered, Watch this. He then grabbed a field spade and lobbed it a large piece of ember towards the newbie, who instantly grabbed his rifle, which was leaning against his shoulder, and dodged past the trees into the perimeter of the camp, only to take a prone shooter's cover behind the third one. A bit jumpy there, newbie, he laughed as the others joined him in the mirth. The newcomer didn't answer. He merely swept the perimeter with his scope and settled in against the new far tree, this time with the rifle leaning against the other's shoulder. What was that noise about? Druk popped his head out of the only tent in the camp. As a squad sergeant, he'd been adamant that his teammate shared the tent. He was a strong believer in the concept of packing light. The newbie wasn't. He'd packed enough munitions to level a small city and insisted on splitting it up between the hover carrier and himself. Jiro estimated that the new guy was carrying half his naked body weight in projectiles. Just hazing the new guy, Sarge, Jiro let out to jovially shine through. Druk sighed into himself and threw back quick sideways glance at the new addition to the squad before he walked over to the fire and squatted down and rested his three-digit pincers on his knees. I'd probably not do that, he said quietly. What? Hashra had, with this newest addition passed on the role of newbie and had been looking forward to not being the butt of the joke every time. Really? Jiro had known his sergeant since the academy, three years of crawling through the mud on alien planets next to him, Experience had taught him that if Druk thought something was a bad idea, it usually was. We've been doing this for what, two years at the academy and then three here, yes? Most of the squad nodded. Are we veterans? Druk looked at the four faces around the campfire. Most are feeding the local ecosystem after three months, Jiro stated calmly. So yeah, we're vets. Druk looked at the newcomer. He had read the personnel file, the tiny, single-digit percentage that wasn't blacked out. Redacted or outright deleted told him that Corporal First Class Hamish McPhee was an elite scout of the Human Offensive Logistics Initiative Elite Scout Hibernetic Enforcement Tactical Division. It also informed him that McPhee drew his first breath over 300 years before he had taken his own, and that the soldier, currently placed on the outskirts of his camp, carefully observing the tree line, had liberated his people from enslavement when his great-great-grandsire was just a newborn. 
The one thing that it reminded him of at the beginning of each paragraph was the information was strictly confidential and that sharing any of the knowledge with anyone not clear for it would result in immediate termination. Just don't, he sighed and semi-crawled over to McPhee, making sure to stay under the humid sightline. The seat taken? he asked as he nodded towards the empty spot next to McPhee. Nope, came the answer. No emotion, just a reply. Good track today. Drick wanted to ask a million questions, but only the ones of importance. Unfortunately, it was one of those questions that didn't naturally blend to the conversation. Yep, McPhee didn't waste words. This is a good campsite, a good find. Drick offered a sincere compliment, hoping to get any emotion or even an emotional analog from a human. McPhee turned his head and looked at the sergeant. I didn't find it. I tracked the ones who had secured the perimeter, killed them, secured the site, cleared the mines, and then set up the defensive perimeter and removed their camp. He stated flatly. I suspected as much, Drick sighed and leaned against the tree trunk a little harder. He could feel the heat from the rifle barrel radiating towards him. You guys are legends, he said quietly. Your tales are whispered with respect around campfires throughout the galaxy. I wouldn't know, McPhee replied with the same cold hair he'd used before. It's always the same. Wake up, briefing, preparations, insertion, mission, exit, debrief, then back to stasis. They way sat in silence for a while. This mission, Druk broke the silence. He had to know. We're tasked with breaking secondary supply line. He couldn't finish it. It's not a supply line, McPhee looked at the sergeant, and you don't have neither the man or the firepower to break it. Do I want to know? Druk asked quietly, fearing the answer. No. The human super-veteran elite scout slowly rose to his feet and grabbed his rifle. If you don't kill the fire and go very, very quiet, you'll be dead in an hour. What about you? Drick knew the human was leaving. I'll either be dead or extracted in five hours. Thanks for the lift, though. McPhee smiled, and just before he faded into the darkness that wasn't a threatening, flickering firelight, he gave him final goodbye. It was nice talking for once. End of chapter Story number two, Death, written by Wim Daddy. This war was different. A millennia I have seen humanity in contest with itself. I have witnessed more battles than there are stars in the sky. I have seen the common sight of men dying in the mud and repeat itself. I hear the same prayers, millions of voices calling out for their mothers or their gods or an end to it all, calling for me to take them away and give them peace. Though this war is different, not even I could have imagined the scale of which men sent themselves to the slaughter, the war to end all wars, I heard one soul say before a bullet entered his head and I took his soul from his body. The Great War said the newspapers that another had been reading when the shell landed three feet away from him, blowing him to bits. I'll tell you this now for a particular moment. On what I have seen of this Feldkrieg, it may not be an uncommon occurrence, where one side agreed to get out of their holes and run at the enemy, while the other agreed to stay there and wait for them to come. Even before I carried dozens of souls to the beyond, comforting them, as I picked them up from their blasted shelters and the mud and earth. It doesn't matter their age. They were all frightened. And then the whistles were blown. Men, boys rather, got over raw and began to climb out of their holes, straight into the chattering of guns. 
Souls were given to me by the score. They were cut down in lines by a chattering of machine guns that spitted lead like cherry pips. It reminded me of an image of a cutting wheat with a sickle and everyone thinks that I carry. I do not. It took me effort to do my duty rather than stare at shock at the lives that ended right before my eyes. The fight reached the positions of those guns and more recognizable battle began with fists and blades and clubs. I looked around as I did my task, diverting my eyes away from the slaughter all around me, despite what I had seen. I never got used to the sight of bloodshed, but as I looked around, I sensed the familiarity I recognized on those flat fields. With the smattering of trees here and there, I recognized this river. I was not the first battle upon this stretch of land. I remembered the shining shields and banners and dragons and arrows and the wine of cavalry stuck in the mud. I remember earlier than that as well, half-naked men with great big beards and axes charging at soldiers lined up, their red rectangle shields making them unassailable wall. I woke from my memories. How long it passed, the souls in my arms accumulated, letting me hold them until I took them through the veil. I waited, though. There was still more to collect. That was when I saw them. Two men jostling around in the muddy ditch that they called the trench. One was dressed in grey, the other in a brownish green. The one in the grey wore a steel helmet, the other wore a strange hat, folded up on the side above his ear. From where they both came from, I wouldn't know. Here, there, it didn't matter to me. These places have had so many names I couldn't possibly remember what they were. I decided to wait and watch, for one would shoot he and the other. It was a fight to the death, to me. Their fight took on a strange rhythm, a desperate thrust with a bayonet, a more desperate parry with the other, a push, a shove, a feint, a block. So focused upon each other, they took little notice of their surroundings. Soon, they were on the ground, jostling around in the oldest and most primal form of battle. Head to toe, in the mud, blades abandoned, they resorted to their fists. I remember getting impatient. I had places to be, souls to collect. But I knew that I wouldn't leave until this fight was done. I had become interested in the outcome, which one of these poor souls was going to die. The green one, or the green one. And then it happened, the moment I wanted to tell of. Exhausted and wounded, the men both paused for a moment, and like awaking from a dream, they simultaneously took note of their surroundings. For a while, they had been fighting, their blades and fists and hands. The battle had passed over them without ever noticing. Their only company were the dozens of dead and wounded. No other could be seen in any direction. They looked around, and then at each other. And then they stopped fighting, just uh, giving up on their goal to kill each other. The green-dressed man with a strange hat rolled off the grave and lied next to him, both breathing breathlessly. They just stayed there, no different looking than any of the others around them, only that their hearts were still beating. And then the green man started to laugh. I could not tell what of. Perhaps it was a relief of being alive, or the ridiculousness of the situation, or just insanity. He chuckled in a sort of bemused way. I would not look away now. I let the war out of my mind and for a moment focused on these two. The one in grey looked at him the same perplexed expression that I wore. 
but after a while, he also began to chuckle exhaustedly. They both pulled themselves out of the mud as they finished, dragging themselves to a sitting position with their backs against the parapet. While this happened, I moved closer, picking up souls of the slain as I went. I stood opposite and looked closely as the men in green reached for his breast pocket. When he removed his dirty, bloody hand, it contained a matchbook and a cigarette. Twice he had to strike the match alight, but the man's hand was shaking too much. It wasn't until the grey-dressed man took the matchbox from him that he was successfully lit. Cupping the flickering flame in his hand, he held up the cigarette to the other's mouth. The green man took a long draw and looked over to the other. He gave it over. Dunker, said the grey man, taking his own puff and giving it back. No worries, said the green man with a strange hat. For a thousand years, I've seen humanity do its utmost best to obliterate itself. I've seen countless fields full of the dead. I've seen towns burn and cities turn to rubble and dust. I've seen as they come up with far more imaginative ways to kill each other. The two men in front of me didn't hate each other. They had simply been doing what they were meant to do. But when the time came, they both knew that the other was just as frightened as they were. How could they go and commit those unspeakable horrors and still remain so, uh, so, uh, compassionate, kind, alive, human. Once again, I am perplexed about humanity. The man in green got up, offering the man in grey a hand. He pointed behind him back to his own lines. The man in grey's wall was over, shrugging off his rifle and the ammo belt, and the man in grey stood up as well. I watched as they walked like two men who had known each other all their lives with their packs facing me. Of course, I would meet them both again, but that's a sadder story. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.